0: hey guys welcome to the to be frank podcast this is episode seven so we're chugging along now nearly at our 10th episode our 10th anniversary um so jason how was your week this week
1: my week's been uh pretty good just sort of chilling haven't got much work done because i've kind of been resting over new years and Mm. all that um uh some exciting news my cover artist has started um working on the the mock-ups for the um for the book cover the immortal king cover hell yeah uh, which is exciting i'm looking forward to seeing what she comes up with she's Mm. just starting with a few uh ideas like some sketches and Mm. i'm gonna look through them see what i like any suggestions that sort of thing but Mm. i'm i'm pretty pumped for for seeing that yeah Uh, that sounds like pretty insane yeah because and the past the past work she's done is really good as Mm. well and that'll that won't just be
0: the image that'll have like the lettering and on it and everything Yep, yeah,
1: like blurb and
0: oh, title damn. name that sort of thing and would that be for the back as well yep so wow. front back
1: and spine damn cover damn bro that's yeah.
0: intense that is that's like
2: the book
1: you know? yeah so once that's done once that's all done the whole the book is there like it's, damn it's really it's just re- you just need to send it to i see the to put it printer. up on
0: amazon so you from here you literally say hey to a, a printer you say hey can we print this?
1: Well, I'm going to put it up on Amazon. And there they have like a service where um, they, they print it for every purchase oh, that's shit. made. Wow. Um, so you just put the book up. You can either buy on ebook. we're already there, mm. um, and you just download that to Kindle or whatever. Um, or you can print a paperback. And Amazon has a um, company that prints it all and wow. uh, that sort of thing. So you just need to provide the files for them to print. And, and they print don't, it. Do you pay anything? You don't pay anything, but they take a cut yeah. of the sale price um, for, the, for the printing costs. That's pretty sick. Yeah.
0: Like, it's pretty low investment, mm. low risk from everyone's perspective.
1: Yeah. So, it's about... They take, like, a 30% cut. Yeah. It can be a bit more, a bit less, depending on sort of deals you do with them. Uh, but the average is about 30% cut, which is pretty good, considering mm. traditional publishers can take... Between like 70 to 90%. 70 to cut. 90%? Yeah. Because oh traditional publishers don't just print, they do the cover, they oh, do the yeah. editing. So, all the stuff that you're having to do that isn't writing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but Amazon sense. just prints it. Like, they don't yeah. edit, do do yeah. anything. They just print what you give them. Yeah. Um, so, they take less of a cut.
0: So, I could submit a Word file. Yeah. Te- like,
1: theoretically,
0: with a, some cover up. Mm hmm. And theoretically, if someone bought it, they'd print it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, anything. Wow. And that's one of the problems with the self-publishing industry. Anything. Or get. indie author industry. Like, it gets a bad rap a lot of the time. Mm. Like, you kind of... If you say you're self-publishing, sometimes people go like, Oh, okay. You're, like, not a proper author. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, people because li- anyone can upload shit. Yeah. Like, you can write the worst story. And people do it all the time. Like, thousands and thousands of people say, mm. I'm going to write a book. They just type, they spew something out onto the Word document. Mm. They do minimal or no editing. They yeah. create a cover in, like, Microsoft Paint or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then just chuck it on, up on Amazon. Yeah, they go on After Photoshop two weeks work, get and get images from Google. Yeah. And, and they say, there you go, my book's done. Especially, I find um, a lot of
0: um, either audiobooks or audiobooks that are, like, a review. It's like there's often these books that are, like, a review... Of a book. Yeah. Or, like, a, a shortcut version of a book. Yeah. Or, like, some self-help book. And it's often like, damn, you can tell this is not that professionally done. Yeah. Which is, yeah, problematic. But, yeah. It, like, you wouldn't know what is, pub- like, traditionally published and self-published unless you could see that it's low quality. Yeah. But then it's, like... I guess that's the cool thing about self-publishing, but it's also, like if you don't take it seriously you can skip some steps yeah
1: like it, it's the benefit is if you want to just chuck up some writing you can mm. and have it published and say i'm a published author but then it like if you're a more serious author it kind of um it has a negative impact on you where you're kind of considered to be among the sea of people who don't really care much oh yeah um like if you've put in like lots of like hours like i've been writing this book for years you put in hours and hours of work on it you you pay to like decent money to get good editor good cover art um that sort of thing mm. um, and you do all that and you take it really seriously you're lumped in with like the yeah other like the people who don't care rather than with the people who do care mm. so there's kind of a bias um where people think that if you're traditionally published you're a serious author and if you self-publish, you're like, you don't care. You're not really, you don't really care much about your work. Your work probably isn't that good. Hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Um, and it's like, fair enough. Um, because yeah. the majority of self-published work is just people chucking up something that they've spewed out over the course of two weeks or something. Yeah, that is true. Um, like, I reckon if I just had two weeks where I was
0: just having a time off and then I just wrote some trash, like... yeah. 30,000 word book it's like you'd write a book at yeah. that time but it's like how good it actually is that? Mm. like I feel like with a book it has to be well done like every part of it should be pretty yeah. pristine rather than like oh there's a typo every three pages like mm. yeah you ever find typos nowadays if you look through it you're
1: like fuck I forgot a typo or like you see that like- I think that's guaranteed like it's if you've got humans were even yeah. computers working on it like you're gonna miss stuff mm. um and so that's why i have i'm i'm not looking through it again until i've published because no. i just like if i just keep looking through looking for typos i'm never gonna finish it yeah because there'll always be a typo and do like you
0: have um grammarly do i don't do you use think it's too it long really? for books I think Grammarly like it kind of makes it so you, it's like you have to put it into their software yeah and then take it back out which like is I, like
1: terrible I don't really need Grammarly cuz I think my grammar ability is quite good and I got an editor um and I just went through it myself kind of looking for the mistakes and all that not not really worrying about what Grammarly or Word or whatever mm. it says um but like some a lot of authors will just chuck their writing through Grammarly and, they're like, and just like editors. tick off every single mistake without
2: actually yeah. reviewing it. Yeah, properly. I've
0: done that with essays before, and then you look back and you're like, yeah. Wait a minute, that yeah. didn't make sense. Like I feel like Grammarly's still not of. I don't know. I think they just get things wrong all the time. It
1: can it can be useful. Yeah, definitely because
0: it can identify potential
1: mistakes. Hmm. But that the, you might their miss. The fixes are often yeah.
0: wrong. Have you heard that quote? It's like someone can tell you that there's something wrong with your work. Yeah. or there's something not complete about your work but they cannot tell you how to fix yeah. it. They can never tell you how to fix it. And
1: that's why, like, if you're using Grammarly or, or just Word spell check or whatever, mm. you need to actually review the... Yeah, under, you cannot like, just click... Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. You have to look and say, okay, is Grammarly right? Sometimes they are, sometimes yeah. they're not.
0: I find sometimes it'll put in something that just makes absolutely yeah. no sense.
1: Because it's just an AI, it's just a computer, and they yeah. don't know what you're trying to say. They just and I don't know can kind of guess what you're trying to say. Yeah, I don't feel as though it's getting progressively better at a faster rate yeah like it's
0: kind of every time i use it i'm like oh it doesn't seem amazing like mm. it's it's like eh, subpass it. Yeah. it's usually like you should have a full stop yeah, yeah like
1: i have it and i, mean, I kind of use it but i don't mm. i'd never pay for like the
0: oh no my friend premium and he order.
1: said it was worth it but really yeah because apparently there's other stuff that they give you okay. but i don't know I just, it is pretty expensive I, I just think i know what i'm trying to say better than what a computer could know
0: yeah but i guess for instance my grammar and writing is
1: pr- relatively bad
0: right but it's getting better over time just with writing
1: more as yeah. you would expect but like it's another thing like you, grammarly can stunt your improvement yeah like I you just rely on it exactly yeah
0: i used to just spew words onto a page when i was writing an essay for uni and then i would go and like chuck it through grammarly yeah. make sure the grammar's fine but i wouldn't actually edit the content so it's like that's not editing
1: no like, you kind of have to actually edit that's just proofreading yeah and you're not even doing the reading part of proofreading yeah Grammarly's i wouldn't, even, I wouldn't <laughs> even
0: read it over once i yeah. would just submit it and then i'd be like why did i get a Yeah,
1: that's what and that's what a lot of self-published authors do they just like oh, don't read over it or do they'll it. read over it just once and then yeah and like the thing is when you do only one edit you can end up creating more mistakes like i do that that's why i don't do just one edit like Mm. i'll go through and edit the content and stuff Mm. but i won't worry about the proofreading until much much later because i know that in editing the content i'm going to create more mistakes yeah and then if i just do one like the
0: final layer on the case it
1: should be yeah um otherwise like and it's also kind of pointless if i go proofreading first and then i change a bunch of stuff yeah. i've wasted all that time proofreading that stuff that is no longer yeah it. um mm. but like if i just if i kept going and i just kept trying to find mistakes i'd never finish it because i mm. just always find something mm. um so i think my my book is pretty clean now if there are mistakes in it they're few and far between and not mm. really noticeable mm. um,
0: if i find one though i'll let you know and then
1: yeah, no really, don't just don't, releases, don't tell I'll me send, i don't want to know i'll send you a
0: snapchat of it. <laughs> hey look at this haha <laughs> 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 yeah no stop here but or... like,
1: I, i'm i pretty confident that it's good because my editor went through he did a real good job and then i went through once after him as well mm. how long does it take to edit a few days uh depends what kind of editing a I'm week doing. like
0: it what would be one read through with i guess you would you do it digitally yeah
1: yeah 100%. if i oh i do sometimes depending on the type of edit i print it off and read through it physically oh yeah because then I can highlight, make notes, things like that. But is that if you're changing
0: um, the content or something?
1: Yeah, so usually I start by doing a really big plot review. Mm. Um, so I'll change huge chunks of events and move things around and change how things happen, which then to influences more... the rest of the story. Right. Just to make it really... Because in my first draft, when I'm just spewing the story out, it kind mm. of is a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, like in my book two that i'm currently working on um chapters one to six is like has one kind of plot thread going through it and then after six i kind of like changed my mind about what i wanted to happen oh yeah so there's a big change in the whole story and i kept writing it as if the things i had changed my mind about had happened but if I put yeah. those two together, the book wouldn't make any sense. So it had to be reshuffled. So I have to reshuffle things, yeah. In a way that it... So it's like when you're writing, you just
0: write in like a st- constant yeah. stream of consciousness. Yeah. And then... And then
1: I go through do a go really through like, big, deep kind of plot review. And that yeah. takes a while. Like it can take me like two hours to do one chapter. Mm. Just to rewrite it. Yeah. After going to, through and editing. Like and editing
0: funny. essays in that way takes ages. Because yeah. it's like you're trying to organize it in the the closest to perfect you can yeah
1: do. and it, it's necessary so yeah. i don't mind the the, the it mm. taking that long mm. and then after that i go through and i do a, a revision of the changes mm. so i'll i'll make all the big changes big plot changes and you do this in google drive i use word word yeah um i do all the big plot changes and i'll go through and do a and a second revision and i'll just go through and make sure everything is how i want it in terms mm. of big plot things once i've done that if that's all good um i'll then go through and do more uh, focused changes so like i'll do mm. a character revision where i make sure the characters are consistent and how i want them i'll then do a um sort of setting revision where i make sure the setting is all consistent the you ever like the law the history the you ever, religion. Like, the setting heaps no, nah, no. Nah, usually the setting stays the same it's more like slight changes. yeah so it's more like um uh things that have happened in the past which influences certain events and mm. i make sure that the the dates are all correct that's another yeah. big one because mm. it takes place over a period of time i have to make sure that period of time is consistent it like, makes logical sense yeah like mm. for example like if i'm talking about a full moon I have to make sure I'm not talking about a half moon the next day or something like that. Because that wouldn't make sense. Um, So I have to make sure the timeline is all consistent. I have to make sure that if I'm talking about the end of winter in Mm. one part, that enough time has passed before I can start talking about warm weather. Yeah. That sort of thing. So I have to make sure that's all consistent. Does Um, the editor
0: do much of that?
1: Or is that primarily... You can pay an editor to do that but i didn't because it's way yes, more expensive and i don't think i needed it yeah
0: because um, then it's like you
1: you're giving up a little bit of the control to the yeah. creators. um and also i just think like i did a pretty good job making it consistent and yeah. that would not be the problem if there are problems in it the mm. consistency and you also have to think about like festivals and uh religious event like that sort of thing um which happen mm. in the timeline like they have to fit mm. with the calendar and all that in, in the in the world. Mm. Um, so I do a revision where I'm making sure all that's correct. And then I'll do another revision to make sure it's just as I want it. So just another general check So that'll be a whole read through. Yeah. And then I do it then I will start proofreading it. Yeah. Oh like
0: I, I I am not that excited for the editing portion of my book. <laughs> the writing is fun, but the editing is necessary. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't really mind how long it takes, as long as I just put in a decent amount every week. Yeah. I think that's more the goal. Because th- it's to me, it's like, I'm not pursuing it in the same way, with the same seriousness. Yeah. For me, it's more like, oh, I'm going to write a book. I might release it as just an e-book. I might yeah. release it as a physical book. Dunno. I don't know might try and get it traditionally published might try not
1: well if you self-publish it you might as well do paperbacks as well yeah because if you're putting it up on amazon which is the main market the main ebook thing they can um, publish it for you they uh, you might as well because it's the same thing for ebook and printing yeah you just put it up on create space yeah and say yeah i I want this also to be printed
0: that would be nice to to have a physical book i just don't even know what it'll look like at the end like if it's more of a telling my story and educational but yeah. if, it's, if it's purely educational then i'm not i'm unsure
1: but because yeah we'll just see where it goes yeah
0: that's the thing i'll see
1: well it's kind of what i did with my first book i just kind of i didn't have a huge idea i just was. do you know it would be fiction though right yeah yeah it started off as a short story oh yeah like yeah. it wasn't meant to be a novel <laughs> it was meant to just be a short story but you were um, like... Or like a series of short stories about the same character yeah but then I went. No, oh, I want to make this a novel.
0: This is cool. How many words was the short story originally?
1: Uh, it was maybe ten thousand. So it was kind of a decently story. But yeah. um, I kind of like. I, I was writing. and I kind of fell in love with the characters. You um, were like this Edward and Matilda sense. specifically. Yeah. And I like the setting. I'm like, but it was mainly the characters. I I was thinking. Yeah, I kind of want to write more about these two. Mm. Um and i figured the best way to do that would be to make a novel yeah.
0: that was kind of like me with the podcast i was like i like interviewing other people but yeah. i started doing fitness and i was like damn mm. this is actually ideal pretty sick yeah
1: i think that's what happens mm-hmm. in a lot of cases like you just kind of mm. start doing something and then just let let it take you where it wants to go
0: yeah like coaching was just kind of the obvious thing when i started that i was like
1: why would i not coach? yeah now it's like the dream. Yeah. You kind of just have to go with the flow a little bit sometimes instead of trying to focus, like, this is what I set out to do and this is what I it has to be. Yeah, you can totally like, change it. Like, yeah. like it, I remember when I first thought of doing the book,
0: it was like, oh, it would be cool to, like, I don't know, write a complete guide on how to lift weights yeah. with chronic conditions. But that is problematic. Well, it's a hard thing to write. And it's like, is that what we're aiming for? I'm not sure. I think I like the storytelling aspect of my own personal stuff as well. That was, that's been a lot of fun. Like writing about my own life and being like, oh, I had to recount that. That like thing that I barely like think about or remember. Like from when I was like 14. It's pretty fun. But it is, I'm trying to be accurate with it. Mm. Trying to be historically accurate. Yeah, fair (laughs) enough. In my own life. But my memory fails me.
1: Well, that's so. just the case with everyone. Whenever anyone is writing, like, a memoir or mm. by autobiography or something, they're doing it from memory. Mm. Like, no one has document like recording of their entire yeah. life.
0: Which is unfortunate. It's hard yeah. to remember. Which is, like, it would be nice if it was as accurate as possible, and that wasn't a problem. But yeah. Yeah.
1: But in a way, there's, like, it, it kind of is interesting because you can see the way a person remembers something, and that can tell you a lot as well. Because... Mm a person's memory is shaped by their experiences yeah like the way you remember something is going to be kind of subjective and it's going to be shaped by like whether you see that thing as a positive or a negative for instance oh yes, 100 percent. the way i'm
0: talking in the book is like i'm talking about it in a way that's like this is definitely from my perspective about the story that i've told myself yeah about all this stuff so it's it's really interesting to be like oh that's yeah. That's how I would articulate it. Yeah. Like it's interesting to read back and be like, Damn. Yeah. I do articulate it and think about it in that specific way. Which is strange. Um yeah. Yeah. And that's
1: just how you're remembering it and viewing it. Mm. And not necessarily the way it would have been at the time mm. for you. Like mm. the way your your experience at the time would be completely different to the way you remember it. And that's interesting to read anyway. Mm. Um like there's value in that because you can see where your the whole sort of line of your experiences has led you now and then that shapes Mm. the way you do and then people can see that in the way you you talk about it and remember it
2: yeah
0: i hope so because i i want it to come from a point because people have been like when i've written long instagram captions or talked to my story about this kind of stuff people have been very like um enthusiastic about the idea of me expressing my thoughts in that way yeah but i do want to keep it i do want to make sure it's edited well
1: and it's good reading rather than just
0: my thoughts on a page yeah because my thoughts are
1: like cluttered like you you have the advantage in some ways of not needing to make sure it fits in an entire world that you've made Mm. up but then you also have the hard part of trying to make sure that you're not spreading misinformation exactly because you're writing that's that's the hard part about non-fiction is like you want to be truthful, whereas yeah. I can like make shit up. Yeah, <laughs> you could be like, oh, you could say some BS about
0: chainmail. Yeah, and no one would re- Nah,
1: like I like if like it's hard for a sword to cut through chainmail. Yeah, but if I wanted a sword to cut through chainmail, like you could I just, totally just do it. Like say, and no oh, this was like broken this mail or like poorly yeah. made mail or something mm. like that, um, and then like people can't say, oh, that's not true because that's how, like, how. As long as I can think. explain something abnormal then it's fine whereas mm. and do you feel like it's necessary to explain when something deviates sometimes i think you need like even though it's fantasy people have expectations that things are generally going to go by the laws of physics and be the way they are in the real world unless explicitly stated otherwise yeah so like if you let's say you have a, a castle and you say there's a castle on a hill people are automatically going to assume that castle is made of stone but if that castle is made of like uh, jelly, you're yeah. gonna have to specify it's made of jelly. And why? Well, you don't, like... need to, don't need. I don't. You don't need to don't say have... too much why. As long as it there's... just has to fit. Like if it's yeah, if
0: like all of a sudden in your world there was a castle made of yeah. jelly, it likely wouldn't make sense unless yeah. people would probably want an explanation. Yeah, they'd be like mate. And I
1: think it depends kind of on the characters. Like if a character looks at the castle and kind of shrugs and says, "Okay, that's normal." yeah then the reader assumes okay well that castle's made of jelly are a normal thing in this world mm. and so just go with it yeah. but if the character is confused by it then there's going to need to be some kind of explanation yeah like and it's the same with like horses as a common one um a lot of people will write horses as if they can like gallop throughout like a whole day or night Whereas a horse can only gallop, like, mm. really Are you short
0: You feel as they make them not logistically sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And so, like, you can say, oh, it's a magic horse, and it can run, or, like, a special breed of horse, and it can yeah. run this length of time. a ghost horse. Yeah. Would be, um, more you pro. need to be able to have that clear to the reader in some way. Yeah. That that is the thing in that world. Otherwise, the reader's going to assume it's a normal earth horse, mm. and it's going to be... Uh, Wrong. Yeah, that's the Um, nice
0: part about writing a book is you can like, you've got words to work with. Yeah. Like when I'm writing Instagram infographics, I'm like thinking, what can I include here? What is too much? What is too much detail? And now it's like, I can pretty much put everything that I think is useful for the topic. Yeah. Especially the weightlifting section is really interesting because it's like it'll probably be like twenty to thirty to forty percent of the book. Yeah. And it'll just be like a manifesto of how to lift weights with chronic conditions in general mm. and any methods that I sort of can think of that'll make that better or make it more useful yeah and I'm, it's pretty sick because like I now I can like get into the science I can use my academic understanding yeah and apply that in a way and try and teach it in a way that's not so um complex and I can I can use like layman's terms in a way yeah. that's more casual like, and it, without it being misinterpreted, because I have more time to explain it later. Yeah. Like, and have caveats and notes and all that. So it's nice. It's pretty, like, um, rewarding. Like, the thing, one of the things we have in the notes today is, like, I don't know if we should cover this now, because I, I do want to get on to the book, because the book, I think there's a lot that we can cover. Mm-hmm. Um. But, like, th- I think it, one of, one of the things I wrote down in the notes for this week that I want to talk about is, like, this idea of like always feeling the pressure to be an expert. yeah, And the book kind of relieves that in a way because it's like, I know I've got 50,000 plus words to work with. So like if a chapter has to go for like ages and there has to be a a caveat chapter after, Mm. and then like even the final edit, this is like, well, well in one of the 12,000 edits, there is like, oh no, this just doesn't fit. This should be taken out. Or this is overcomplicating it. Because I want to get people to read it who aren't informed yeah. on the topics. And then they'll be like, yeah, this makes sense. This makes absolutely no sense. And then hopefully it can get to a point where it does make overall some semblance of sense. Yeah, Like, but then there's not many other mediums. Like on a podcast, it's hard to make it like a finalized perfect expression of what you're trying to say yeah because you're literally just talking
1: you can't edit, it like you can't revise yeah. what you're saying yeah you can you can take bits out yeah but, but you can't really
0: yeah you could insert things in theoretically but it's like realistically it would kind of be problematic yeah. to the conversation because you would have to everyone involved in the podcast would have to be there yeah recording new parts yeah which kind of takes away from the yeah. point so it's yeah it definitely um that takes away from that feeling of having to be an expert yeah um another interesting thing is recently i found myself like over investing in ideas really fast right like last there was the book when i think the book is definitely happening that is that is a thing that is must occur but then there was a what was there there was something last week it was there was something else but then this week there was like I was like, damn, I should start an education business for personal trainers. And I'm like, bro, stop. Stop coming yeah. up with ideas. Just like, do the things you're already doing. Yeah. And I don't know where this is coming from. There's just this... I think there's this feeling of wanting to do more. Yeah. And like, if I do more, there'll be more outcome. So then I'll get more income. And then that will generally build everything together. Yeah. But it's like... There's things already on the to-do list that, sh- that aren't being done at the maximum capacity. So, it's like, do those, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you ever find you come up with, like, an idea and you're like, oh, I should totally invest heaps of Yeah, all of the
1: time. Um, like, it could be to do with writing or it could be something completely mm. irrelevant to it. When it's um, completely irrelevant, I'm like, yeah, I don't think
0: this is where it should go. I think it should stay within the bound of what I'm trying to make yeah. in my career.
1: Yeah, def- Like, I if I have an idea, usually I'll just let the idea come and go. Mm. Um, especially if it's something that isn't really mm. r- relevant to what I'm actually trying mm. to do. Mm. Um, so if I have an idea, I'll think like, will this help my main thing in yeah. some way? Like, I don't want it to take over my main my writing. Yeah. Um, and and my goals to have a career as a writer. I don't want it to take over that. So I have to think, will this help or hinder it? Mm. um and a lot of the times it will probably just hinder it because yeah. i'll end up having to sacrifice a lot of my writing and stuff to pursue this other thing mm. um but if it's to do with writing i'm a bit more um open to new ideas because yeah. it will all contribute ultimately yeah like because it'll just increase your skill with yeah, writing and then there'll be some yeah. angle with which that can help and also creates new content as well yeah that's which true. i can put out eventually yeah. um but as like recently it's relevant to the yeah um,
0: subsection of your writing exactly yeah yeah
1: um like sometimes i'll have all the time actually i have ideas for new stories or even new books yeah um and i think that's just natural but you have to let the book sit right yeah you you would not embark on another book at this point well right now well (laughs) what do you mean well um i'll just continue saying what i was saying it's like i'll often have ideas for different books different stories Mm. and a lot of these ideas will be like set either in a different world in our world or like another fictional world Hmm. um like that that book you were
0: telling that short story you were telling me about a while ago the one about the radio was it yeah the record player yeah the record
1: player yeah so that was like it was set on earth it was set in the modern world Hmm. um i wrote that because i figured well this will help my career that's yeah i practice writing it's also good to kind of expand your range a little bit yeah um, and I was doing it for a publication as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so it was
1: pretty useful. So yeah, and, and it didn't take very long. Mm. But like with books, for example, like if I have I'm an idea for a sci-fi a book. book, or mm. if I have an idea for like a, like a, a fiction set in like the modern world mm. or something, do like you think that. You I can't were... just start writing that? But yeah. Um. Sometimes I'll have ideas for books or stories set in the world that I've created, mm. and I ponder those ideas a little bit longer because yeah more relevant but they wouldn't fit but in the book or maybe things things like like that are separate from my the story i'm writing now Mm. yeah um like either standalone novels or like separate series Mm. things like that but i'll let them linger a bit usually they pass yeah um and i don't need to dwell on them anymore and i just think oh well that's not worth writing about yeah because you don't yeah. have like a notion thing where you keep all your ideas no <laughs> bro i just have a brain <laughs> oh i don't know how you do
0: that at all that makes um, absolutely no sense to me like yeah. if i didn't write the scoliosis book down i wouldn't be writing it like 100 percent. if i didn't write that down in notes and write every idea i had around it man that is not going to
1: exist like 100 our brains just work different 100 they work different absolutely um, like recently i've I've had an idea that has lingered um, for a book, a standalone novel set in the world I've created. Maybe not Ardon, but like a, maybe a nearby country or yeah. something like that, but in the world I've created um, a, a standalone novel, just a single book, not a series or anything like that. Um, I just had like a new idea, and I think it's a really cool idea. Mm. Um, so what I've been thinking of doing is embarking on writing that book, but mm. making it like a hobby thing. Oh, like, what yeah. my first book but was is, while I was uh, at is uni. that not
0: somewhat dangerous, though? I, th- I find that somewhat dangerous, because it's just doing your job again. Like, your job yeah, right well, now is to be an author, right? And, like, yeah. if you go home, and then you're like, okay, my, 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 my hobby is writing books. Well,
2: that's
1: like, that's thing,
0: that's somewhat like, dangerous. Like, 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 I used to view lifting weights as a hobby. And it's like, it is a hobby, but yeah. it's my job.
1: Well, like, it's I th- like, I want my... I want writing to be my job, my career, because I love it. Because it is yeah, my that, passion that is and my hobby. But, like, um, don't
0: you think you could do too much and, like, write too much? And then it's, like... Like, for instance, one of the new ideas that I had was to learn Japanese. Yeah. So now I'm slowly learning Japanese. <laughs> nice. Just because, you know, anime Yeah. yeah all yeah. that, like... Yeah. And it's, like... if I, Like, eventually, if I could watch anime in Japanese, that would be sick as fuck. But it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with anything else yeah. I do. And, like... Hmm. what other hobbies do I have? Good question. But it's like, yeah. n- they're all... All my, like, fun stuff is fitness-related. Yeah. Or it's like watching anime. Yeah. And trying to learn Japanese. So it's like... But if I got another hobby and I was like, you know what? My new hobby is... Um, writing exercise science articles. Yeah. That would be, I think, problematic. Because it's like, then you're trying to put work. And like... I think there should be a very divided line between work and play. Yeah. And like. And also, it's like, would you be pr- as proud of the work if you didn't take it as serious as you took the first books?
1: Well, I would. I I would take it seriously eventually. Yes. Okay. Um, that's true. But like, what? So what I would do is I would just treat it like it is just a fun side just like a fun thing something just you just a, write a way to time. to scratch an itch i have to write something because mm. at the moment i'm not actually writing any new stories oh I've, yeah okay i'm just editing a book i'm preparing to publish another book and i've finished writing my short story so i can focus on the um mm. on the other aspects of that part of my career um but I have, like, a, an itch or an urge to actually write a new story a lot of the time. I guess yeah. that's because I'm a writer. Yeah. it's my passion to write. And part of yeah. a big part of that is creating new stories. Um, hmm. I guess a, the good way to satisfy that itch... And I think it would actually benefit me when I go to do editing as well. Because I wouldn't see it as I'm just editing. Hmm. Um, but editing is just a part of me as a writer. Um, it would be a way to scratch that itch when I have it. Hmm. So, like... I wouldn't make it something that I discipline myself to do every day or discipline myself not to do. Mm. Um, It'd just be something, well, if I want, if I'm just chilling, if it's my free time and I feel like I want to write a new story, I can Mm. then go work on that. Yeah, that's like me with
0: infographics. Um, Like, it
1: can just be a fun,
0: because it's like, for me, it's just exploring a topic. Yeah. And it's like, it's pretty much always a pretty fun activity. Like, I find it hard to be like, this is so hard like sometimes with maybe writing an essay for university on excise science mm. sometimes that can be like "Oof, this is this is not what yeah. i want to be doing but it's like very often with the infographics and everything else it's like this is the shit yeah. and yeah i guess the writing as you when you talk about it you talk about it in a way that's like this is the bit that is the best like, yeah like so
1: that's the part that is like absolutely not work for me like yeah. actually writing a new story is not True. Yeah. The true. work part is like the editing, the marketing, that sort of thing. Which I still enjoy. Mm. Um, but that's not something I would make something I'd do in my free time. Yeah, and
0: especially I would say you probably enjoy it especially relative yeah. to like a job someone doesn't like. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's work, but it's like it's work and it still can be hard and sometimes there yeah. can be some resistance to doing it. But it's like like with client check ins, for instance, like every time I'm like every time I do a client check in I'm like damn this is pretty sick yeah like the fact that i get to do this fun as fuck yeah and it's pretty hard like it's definitely work and like i have to take it seriously and like get in work mode and like all that but it's like it's less um draining yeah than like other jobs where it's like oh I don't, yeah. there's no part of this which is building towards a higher thing
1: yeah like writing for me um writing a new story that is isn't draining at all it is recharges me Mm. because it's it's my passion and hobby so like i i i don't think there'd be any problems if i was just doing or writing a new book in my free time because that's what i did with my first book true it was something i did in my free time while i was at uni yeah i Um, guess maybe it's i wouldn't go to the editing phase for this book though as a hobby so yeah I'd, i'd do i'd write the story um but would you be content with this book never being released probably i mean but i would i do plan to release it and so i would make it just write the first draft write the story as just a fun thing i do in my free time hmm. um and then when it gets time well, to actually would edit have a it, deadline? no 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 i just okay. do it when i feel like so if i have resistance to
0: doing it i wouldn't do it It's somewhat like me with the scoliosis yeah as well. there's no hard deadline but i kind of want to set one but i'm like yeah don't set that much pressure on yourself.
1: Yeah, like, like I just write it as I feel like writing it. But then yeah. once I finish the first draft, if I like the story and I want to publish it, then or I still want to publish it because I like the idea and I feel like it'd be something cool to publish. Hmm. But if I, when I get to the end of it and I still like it, which I probably hmm. would, um, I would then make it something that I then work on in my working time. Yeah, um, yeah, that makes as sense. Because
0: eventually, by the
1: time you've got the third book
0: and you're like okay this is done yeah this is like you're at the stage if you're at the stage you're at now with the first book with the third book yeah then it's like damn i want to start writing a new book and yeah. like you i feel like that would at that point if you were not like thinking about what to write next i feel like you'd be like shit yeah oh god what do i do
1: and the thing is like i also i wouldn't put as much effort into editing it mm. as i did this other book mm. because i would traditionally publish that one really yeah why because, because of this a lot of authors see many benefits in doing what they call hybrid publishing where they self- publish some traditionally publish one and others so they get the benefits of both mm. um, so I've traditionally published this one because it would be uh, a standalone thing yeah um, while I've got my other books going mm. um, so I don't need to worry too much any mu- much more about like having to wait for it to be published and I wouldn't have to worry as much about um sorting out the like cover and editors and stuff like that um, yeah so and so it would just be like more of like a, a passion project yeah. that i just then chuck to a traditional publisher and say here that's your problem yeah um, so
0: you would you'd produce the manuscript
1: and then but i'd revise it a bit make sure it's clean and yeah and readable because you would have
0: the evidence of the other three books as well yeah you'd be like, oh this is in the same universe yeah, I think that would... So do you feel as though with the first book, if you were like, hey, if you asked the tra- traditional publisher, do you feel like it would be really difficult for them to be like, yeah? Because there's no, like, insurance there. Yeah. There's no, like, backup. Say, I think hey, it would be hard to get traditionally published for my first book. Yeah. and What, then, do, you, what it, do you think about for the Scoliosis book? Because, like, I think it wouldn't be impossible to get traditional publishing mm. because it's a very milkable story. Like, it's pretty easy to milk. Yeah. Like, one time I literally went on 7 Sharp and talked about the th- whole story. That's right. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> like, and th- I mean, that was, like, not out of my own... Yeah. I just went up to the guy on the street and I was like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you interviewing people? What's up? Can I help? And then he was like, yep, what's your story? And I like, went on the fucking th- nice. TV show. And, like, but it was very, very milkable. They were hyped with it. Like, and I think I could... The goal, eventually, if I could make this book somewhat, like, biography-style, then... I think I could leverage it in such a way that I could get on TV right. and be like, that would be the move. I think that would straight up be the move. And then, cause it's like a quite common problem and it's like no one, not many people could write the book. Yeah. So it's, yeah. But then I don't know if the lifting weights angle
1: will fit with that. Cause then I'm prescribing that for this. Yeah. Well, so. the thing is if you want to use the book to launch into other things like going on TV I wouldn't want to go on TV all the time. It would no, but like a one-time book on TV. Yeah, I reckon if you wanted to do that sort of thing, traditionally publishing might be better. Yeah, because then you have the the clout of a yeah, publishing I can company, say I'm being published and by you can say point. you're legit that sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas if you want to maybe make a bit more money off the book itself, mm. and you want to have more control over the way it's marketed and that sort of thing, I'd go self-publishing, and you already have like an audience that you can market to. Yeah. Um. But, you could use that audience for traditionally publishing at the same time. Um, yeah. So, it depends what you want out of it. Um, yeah. And, and for you can my, still
0: do all the traditional, like, in, like, influencer marketing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not traditional, the, the non-traditional yeah, influencer. Yeah, I guess typical, it's maybe more typical now. Yeah. It's probably is the shit now. Um, yeah.
1: Well, the thing is, with whether you're traditional or self-publish, you'll have to do your own marketing. Yeah. Um. You'll have more assistance with marketing if you traditionally published. Yes. But you'll still have to... Like, the bulk of the marketing will have to be done by you. That's just the reality, unless you're, like, a big author who has done other publishing. Yeah. Even if you're traditionally published, you have to do a lot of your own marketing. Yeah, I have to
0: go and reach out to influencers. Yeah. Like,
1: hey, please take Um, my book. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing self-publishing, because I feel like if I have to do more or less the same amount of marketing, I might as well make more money off of it. Yeah, that's true. I just Um, would...
0: Like, because for me, the money thing it wouldn't be my main source of income by yeah. that point. So it's like and it, I wouldn't be dependent on that. And it's like it would more be I'd be using the book as a way to grow my brand. Yeah. And be like, look, I have a book. It did well. Yeah. All that kind of stuff.
1: That's it. I reckon if you're using the book for other things, like mm. if that isn't if you're not trying to make something of the book itself but rather mm. Oh no the I definitely the want book, the into... book to be like this is the scoliosis
0: book yeah. and it will be for the next twenty years. That would be ideal. And then I would probably want to write a, like, more complete version when I'm, like, in my 30s. Yeah.
1: Well, traditionally, publishing might be best then. Because you'll get more clout from it. Like, you'll yeah. get uh, more sort of reputation as the Scoliosis book. Yeah. Um,
0: that would be ideal. Because there's one other author who's published, but they're in Scoliosis. There's, like, not There's maybe a few others, but yeah. they're very unknown. Like, no one I've even heard of. Even when Googling it, it's like, yeah. there's, like, two books on it. But they're all teen female-focused. Right. Because that's the demographic. Like, teen females who get scoliosis want to feel like they're not alone. So yeah. then they read Alice and Jer- We could kind of have her on the podcast, maybe. But it's, <laughs> yeah. But um, it's it's very, it's like teen-focused, um, like teen, I don't know if it's teen rom-com, but it's like teen... Teen, teen fiction. Yeah. And that's definitely not the angle I'm going from. Yeah, fair. So it's... Probably a harder sell than her books. Because her books are more, like... There's a story here. Yeah. And all that. And I would like to ha- make it have a story. But I mean, you can't... I'm not going to sit here and, gr- like... Uh, grandize my life. Maybe that's not the right word. I'm not going to make it be like... I'm not going to make shit up. Yeah. Like, not about that. Because that would be fucked up.
1: Yeah, well... If, whether you traditional or self-publish it's a hard decision to make at this point mm. like you're, yeah i think down the line somewhat think about book. it see what you want and that sort mm. of thing. yeah see what the book actually yeah. ends up becoming um i like with my standalone novel i'd want to traditionally publish it so it's mm. like i can focus more on my main series which is yeah. like my baby mm. um whereas the standalone book would be less of like a A baby to me Hmm. it'd be more just like um, a kind of side did tolkien he traditionally published he yeah he did but he did it in a time when you couldn't really self-publish oh yeah true you didn't have instagram etc and uh it was uh, the industry wasn't as saturated back then either yeah um like you didn't have thousands and thousands and thousands of people saying i'm going to write a book
0: how what what year did he write that what years around
1: Lord of the Rings? Yeah. It was around... Oh, he wrote it over a long period, but it was published in the 50s. Oh, yeah. So, the, no computers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When, do, when were computers invented? That's a good question. Hmm. Probably don't one, ask me. A while ago. <laughs> 70s, 80s. <laughs> I mean think 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe, is like yeah. traditional computers. Because, yeah. Damn, you would have had to do the whole thing on a typewriter. Yeah. Jeez. Or maybe by hand, even. Oh, God. I don't know. Surely...
1: Oh my. I don't know what he you... I yeah. think he did use. And then
0: I guess you have your finished manuscript, and maybe they would have someone. He would have you would have to pay someone to manually copied down to make a second version. God,
1: that would be a truch- I think mean, he he just like he knew someone at a publishing company. Sent it to them. That's the move. And they published it. Maybe we should get. So more even more, Tolkien more networking. had connections.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. I think my biggest asset is my connections, 100%. Yeah. That's why I think I come up with a lot of these ideas, because then I'm like, oh, I could totally leverage this. Mm. And, like, if I... I think it's very easy to come up with an idea and be like, this is totally the shit. Yeah. This is, like, 100% the move. Um, and then you just roll with it, and it's like, bro. Um, should we touch on the book? Yeah, yes. Um, and if, I reckon if we don't have enough time, we should cover it next week as well.
1: Yeah, we can, we can well, do that. tomorrow. <laughs> We'll see how how we go. Um. But yeah. Anyway, so I recently read this book, um, called The Art of the Samurai by Yamamoto Tsunetomo. It's a hagakure, which is, um, in Japan, it's like a sort of a guide for being a warrior. Um, how how to be a samurai basically. Similar to the art of war, but I think the art of war was China. That was more yeah. That was China, and that was more for like generals, leaders, oh, yeah, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. This is for the people following them so this so is for the, the, the warrior sword, the yeah. guy with the sword rather than the guy with the i don't know what did you have a general hammer. hammer or whatever <laughs> um but i so i read this um and it was a it was written by a guy in the beginning of the 18th century um so he lived through like the for the second half of the 17th century the 1600s hmm. um and then he wrote this in the later stages of his life at the beginning of the um 18th century yeah um so the beginning the 1700s yeah okay um he lived in a time um so if you don't know much about the history of japan um around for a few hundred years ending at the beginning of the 1600s japan was going through what is now called the warring states period i think that's what it's called Mm. um but basically it was a huge period of just constant warfare Mm. like japan was split up between lots and lots of little um regions or provinces or whatever and they're just constantly fighting each other for supremacy Mm. um and they all had samurai yeah so a samurai is just like a kind of retainer or, or a warrior in japan like a kind mm. of like knights oh yeah yeah um so knights but they're
0: they're definitely elevated above like common soldiers yeah, yeah. so
1: someone i would typically have like a, a land or a fief for whatever yeah so they um, would have
0: relatively high status in yeah society.
1: so they were like the kind of um class between the ruling classes and the peasant classes and merchant classes so they were like like knights so they weren't Mm. big lords and rulers Mm. um but they were they had status Mm. they were warriors they had land and Mm. um people below them that sort of thing Mm. um the um so they were in in this warring period everyone, everyone was fighting each other um and it ended when one of those um clans managed to unite the country under what they called the tokugawa shogunate oh yeah um and that lasted up until like the 19th century Mm. um but this shogunate brought peace and order and law back to japan so Mm. they were no longer warring against each other Mm. um because they, they had a strong government keeping the peace um and so uh tsunetoma was writing this um, and he lived in this time of peace shortly after. So he this was, survived
0: during the period, um, where there was war? No. No.
1: He, he was born not long after it. So uh, his father and grandfather lived during it. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so he knows, So he would have a rough idea of what it was he, like. He, he would know, he would have known people who lived during it. People mm. in older generations. Kind of like how nowadays we live in a period of relative peace, mm. at least internal peace. Mm um in the west but we have like grandparents and great-grandparents who remember the time of of this constant like total Mm. worldwide warfare Mm. um so it's kind of similar to us in that regard where um we live in this time of peace our generation hasn't really experienced war but we know generations who have Mm. um and so obviously for samurai um they're the warrior class their profession is to fight in war that's Mm. what they are for it's their purpose um the class still existed like it didn't just suddenly end after this period of warfare ended because they still had money power influence Mm. that sort of thing um so they weren't just going to pack up and and stop being samurai um because of the traditions and cultures and values that had developed in in their class over the period of centuries that wasn't just going to end when peace came mm. so Tsune Tomo he was a samurai um he he was in the service of a of a lord a daimyo um and he then later in life became a monk and lived as a hermit outside wow. of society the reason he did that life goals um was because his lord uh committed seppuku which Mm. is a form of ritual suicide where you um cut open your belly Mm. with a um, short sword and then someone will cut your head off after you've done that
0: so but is that a punishment
1: or is that it is can be a punishment so it was often the if a samurai or someone needed to be executed they would say commit seppuku as a way of like kind of it's an honorable way of dying so oh, it's yeah. like you're going willingly
0: rather than you're having to be hung or
1: something. yeah um so this this, this samurai would commit seppuku like frequently it was a very common thing wow, um, for all sorts of reasons so his lord didn't do it as a form of punishment his lord chose to do it because there was a f- big fire lots of houses burned down people died and the Lord, he wanted to take personal responsibility for it. Even though he didn't cause the fire, because uh, it happened in his domain. Yeah, Because I he guess. was the Lord, he took responsibility yeah. for if that. He was the highest up there. Then yeah.
0: It's like in, when you're the CEO of a business, no matter if you cause the thing, yeah. it's your responsibility Yeah, at
1: the very least. Um, so he took personal responsibility for the fire. And because the honourable thing to do at the time was to commit seppuku as mm. a way of taking personal responsibility, his Lord did that his lord killed himself
2: yeah
1: um completely willingly um and it was a tradition among the samurai um part of the code which they called the bushido code oh yeah um it was tradition for their for samurai to go with their lord in death and really? so if the lord committed seppuku the samurai would go and commit seppuku as well a lot of them wanted to and so when this when sunetomo's lord died he and many other samurai wanted to commit seppuku as well mm. but his lord and the laws of um japan at the time forbade it and so Tsunetomo wasn't happy about this but um, because he was obedient to his lord he chose not to commit seppuku mm. um, because he his lord spite, then. yeah his lord wanted him him and the other samurai to continue living in service to the domain and yes. to his heir and not just kill themselves yeah so instead tsune decided to shave his head and um leave the world like leave society was he still considered a samurai after doing this or was he still he kind of i guess so um he was like he became a monk but he also he didn't abandon his samurai identity right
0: um, yes he still followed the bush yeah go-co.
1: so the reason he became a monk was so he could die in quotes um, right. so he he died in the sense of even though his body was still alive he had left society right okay um he he no longer pursued any like personal things um he just became a monk so he could live completely in service to his lord wow. as like a kind of librarian type person wow because there wasn't like war at the time the samurai needed other jobs they weren't fighting so mm. Sunetomo was um, brought into the service of this lord to be like a librarian type person look after the archives and old stories and poems and stuff. Um so he figured well I can still do this as a monk. I'm just not going I'm just going to cut myself off from a normal life now. So he he like kind of had a sort of ego death in a way. Hmm. Um as a way of um no that was his way role? of comprom. no. That was his way of compromising between committing seppuku and obeying his lord that he don't commit seppuku. Well, I
0: feel like that's kind of um like there's some part of me that desires that a little bit, like that little like monk lifestyle, yeah. you just get away from material possessions or any pursuit of ambition in that yeah. sense. You just de- dedicate your life to yeah. being a monk. Same. Like there's <laughs> there's a part of like for, remember the farm, the farm trip, yeah. the acid farm trip. That guy who owned the farm totally lives like this. Yeah. Like he lives in a way that's like it doesn't seem as though he's aiming for like materialistic things. Yeah. He kind of and man, he lived in a good way. But, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean the whole point of this book and why I brought it in is because it I think it's very relevant today. Mm. Partly because of that whole thing where we live in a similar time. Yeah with similar um similar things going on where um we live in a peaceful time. Mm. Um, in contrast to a recent time of like constant warfare Mm. like peace sometimes people call the period we're living in now the long peace Mm. um because peace is abnormal if we're looking at the history of humanity war is like the default Mm. state for most societies and peace this long that we've had in the west Mm. um is very unusual but would you say um somewhat
0: off, to off topic would you, would you say in general this peace that we're having now is primarily in the west
2: yeah it's not well, I mean, like, obviously it's not war like war globally yeah
1: and the and the west is involved in wars yeah, yeah. but like in terms of just general day-to-day life it's, it's pretty standard for and like normal yeah yeah. yeah yeah um and so that was similar back in Thomas's time like mm, he was living in prosperous. a period of long peace lots of prosperity yep um like the it, and he saw this as a bad thing Mm. like he saw this as a decline in values and stuff that was Mm. strengthened by war especially among the samurai class he saw the samurai classes becoming too like um, materialistic too oriented towards personal pleasures personal Mm. aims that sort of thing Mm. um and so he wrote a guide for samurai to continue living the bushido code Mm. in a time when their entire purpose and profession was irrelevant Mm. so he basically answers the question how do you be a warrior in a time of peace Mm. um and the reason i brought this Mm. in when i started reading this i was reminded of a conversation we had a while ago um about how um you and i and a lot of people Mm. i think especially men um have this sort of desire sometimes to um like die in war or like yeah. go and be in a Have battle some or something where
0: you're you just yeah you give up your life for a cause that you know is greater yeah. like
1: most of the time i want to um live to a ripe old age and die peacefully yeah in a nice country cottage yeah surrounded by my family yeah um and then just sort of like draw my last breath and go with a smile yeah. then other times i'll like you want this I to, want to, to, to be
0: some calamity. Yeah, I want some, like, This is why COVID kind yeah. of... Yeah. Like, it was like, hey, this is not a world war, but it's effectively the same thing. Yeah. It's just, this presents some, some hardship. Yeah. And then we have to kind of band together yeah. and sacrifice our own things.
1: Yeah, like, sometimes I, I have an urge to, like, I don't know, like, die in battle defending the body of my king or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> just, like, but me and the boys just shield wall around the king, just, like... One by one We get cut down In some yeah. hopeless For me Futile struggle The feeling is often For me it's often Like people around me
0: Like yeah. it'll be It'll be more like Modern sense of like Let's say I'll, I'll just be daydreaming And I'll be thinking like Damn how could this occur In my life And it would have to be like Someone I know and love Is in danger And then yeah. I just Like say we're in the city And there's <laughs> some guy Trying to mug someone Yeah And then I'm like I will give up my life Yeah 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 <laughs> like, I, I that, know like, the feeling yeah, like, like, it's,
1: it's weird Like, like I think it, it seems kind of silly and i mean in a way it is like peace is a good thing yes um because the main the highest pursuit is like a pursuit of knowledge a pursuit of virtue mm. and peace is the best way to do that in my opinion if yeah. you're living in a time of peace you can really focus on read the on, most books yeah exactly um but like i think it's not a bad thing to have these thoughts and these urges either um mm. i think it's normal and natural and pretty um it makes a lot of sense especially nowadays yeah and i think a lot of it comes from a, a sort of a desire to find a sort of meaning and purpose but like really powerful meaning yeah because it's so obvious yeah then.
0: it's not like like right now with have doing entrepreneurial things or stuff like that or like making yourself yeah. following ambition in today's society in like a materialistic sense where you're ascending through a hierarchy mm. like that's really cool but it's not like super honorable or like yeah you know it's kind of like you're just bettering yourself yeah because that's what you're meant to do that's yeah the good thing to do and then you can be more prosperous prosperous and then if you have a
1: good heart or whatever you can exactly. donate some money
0: to yeah. charity or something
1: yeah and like we think about it, like when you if you want to like sacrifice your life to save someone from being mugged mm. um it's so like you want to die so someone can keep their 20 dollars, yes. or like you want to sort of Die defending the body of someone who's already died, yeah, or something like that. is the desire really to die or, or to be so. the protector? Exactly, be, like, to is be the altruistic. desire to, in that moment, that brief moment, yes, do the right not, thing, not be you, yes. like, just be dead before you die, just mm. to kind of transcend oneself and mm. be living for something higher. We mm. want, I think, it's an like
0: often part of it is you want society to look at you and your sacrifice and be like yeah wow
1: what a great human and this book talks it deals with that Mm. kind of uh that sense i think in a way like it it provides a solution for that um urge and that desire and kind of the lack of meaning and purpose that a lot of people nowadays in the west Mm. face Mm. um because of the prosperity like what's
0: the quote um good good times make weak men yeah weak men breed bad times or something Something like that yeah i know what you're talking about yeah
1: um i think many people hopefully like this this book basically um it it provides a a new purpose for the samurai um it provides a way for them to still practice and live bushido without being in war Mm. and it's a site like for the samurai it's considered a shameful thing to die in one's um in, in one's bed mm. like they call it like a straw death or something like that or a sleeping mat death i think it is mm. um and it's a shameful thing to die an old man in your bed as because a samurai you didn't because you weren't enough or you weren't d- being killed in battle like the idea yeah. is eventually if you're in enough battles mm. you will die from that or eventually you will commit seppuku because your lord has died yes um So it's considered a shameful thing to die in your sleeping mat. But that was the reality for most samurai in these days. Like, you weren't in war anymore, so you would probably die in your sleeping mat. And often no reason to commit seppuku. Yeah. Um, And if you did have a reason to commit seppuku, like your lord died and you wanted to follow him in death, you weren't allowed to because the lord would be like, no, help my son who's going to succeed me. Or the laws of your domain would actually prohibit it. Yeah. Um, and so then out of loyalty to the laws of your domain, you don't, you can't so do So then it. eventually you would end up the, so you would what, die sleeping... this shameful death. Yeah. yeah. Sleeping mat death. Um, mm. so he sort of provides a solution to this problem and mm. gives new meaning so that it's not a shameful thing anymore to, to die this kind of, uh, this previously shameful death, which has mm. become an inevitability.
0: And do you feel like it kind of draws parallels to like, let's say you do work that doesn't feel meaningful to you or doesn't feel as though you're you're giving an overall benefit to the world yeah um it's like i can kind of draw parallels in that sense it's like people will do a job where they're like this is okay yeah decent income but it's not as though they feel mean towards it and it's it's not like there's an
1: altruistic backing to it that's the thing a lot of people nowadays their their work what they spend most of their lives doing yeah is merely to survive yeah um and that is what uh, Tsune Tomo and a lot of Samurai see as shameful. Like, mm. if you're just living to live, then there's yeah. not really much point and to it. And especially
0: if you're just, like, living to live in a way that's, like, just positive feedback into your own yeah. world rather than the external yeah. world. Like, you don't have any yeah. external sense of, I'm affecting the world around me positively.
1: Yeah. Like, in the, like the Bushido Code, there's a quote, like, the first thing in this book is... Um, He says, I have discovered that Bushido means to die.
2: Mm. Um,
1: And so the book is immediately, like, you introduced with this idea that death is going to be a prominent Mm. theme in this book. And it is. Death is all throughout this book, whether it's talking about dying in a way, like, in a sort of uh, philosophical sense, Mm. or there's, like, a lot of little anecdotes, little events that have happened that he's recalling where someone has died. Like, he talks about seppuku a lot. He talks about people who have just been killed and who have had their heads chopped off just because they angered someone or something like that mm. um but the thing with death in this book is it's treated like the lightest thing yeah like it's just the most it, there's nothing significant about death in this yeah it's
0: more um, like an it's an it's an honorable mandatory thing yeah like
1: it's just it's treated as if it's just like eh, okay he died cool <laughs> Because the concern in this, with with this, the concern in Bushido, um, is not whether or not one dies, but whether or not one dies well. Yes. And in that, and by extension, whether or not one has lived well. Yes. So it might seem at face value that this, that the Bushido code is something grim, like it's all about death. Mm. It's just like a death cult. It's oriented yeah. towards well, it's that. Like how much impact it's, did you have on the world? Yeah, it's it's very much a life affirming philosophy Mm. um that is presented in this book it's 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 all about life um and death is just something that happens um and so one of the main ideas in this is it turns the bushido code a code of a warrior Mm. um into like a more spiritual or inward discipline something that you can practice purely internally just with yourself you don't need any wars or any lord to die or anything like that Mm. for one to practice the bushido code so it turns a a warrior lifestyle basically it 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 gives meaning to life and service Mm. um there's these uh the code he has is defined by the four vows of the house which um everyone should follow to the highest culmination he says uh the four vows are: i will not allow myself to fall behind others in bushido which means to be resolved and to make one's martial valor manifest in the world so Mm. um basically to perfect oneself and to put the best of oneself into the world Mm. um next vow is i will be of use to my lord um so to basically make oneself the most useful one can be to a higher person someone the person that you are serving make yourself completely useful to them in whatever way they need Mm. um whether that is to go to war for them or to be their librarian or something like that um uh, the next one is to be filial towards one's parents what does that mean um like kind of loyal i guess and and pious towards one's parents and Mm. then by extension the family and ancestors Mm. how what does pious mean like um sort of devoted in a religious sense oh yeah um, yeah and then the other one is i will make myself of use to other people mm. um, so that's vow four. that's vow four, yeah and that means to work to build up other people not just for their sake but mm. so they will all become of use to their lord mm. it's kind of like jordan peterson's
0: idea of um like you're a node in a network in life Mm. And your your work should positively influence people around you. Or you should do your best yeah. to be a be a node that is generally trending in the right direction. So then everyone that is influenced by you is trending in the right direction. Yeah. So then in general the
1: world will get better. Yeah. Um at least to the extent to which you can influence others. Yeah. Basically that's kind of it. It's like a discipline for being of use to the world. Mm. And another big idea in this book is the idea that because everyone dies it's not important you're you're not important Mm. like if if you die it doesn't matter how you live it doesn't matter but what survives after the person dies is the name Mm. so it's a really there's a big emphasis on things like pride and fame um where the person is expected to live in such a way that after they die inevitably mm. they have a honored name like they they have brought honor to their house to their lord to their family and to themselves mm. um <clears throat> and not brought shame on themselves and that's why they would commit seppuku um because that would be a way of avoiding shame and mm. that the, the idea was it's better to die than be shamed yeah it's you're going to die anyway, so would you rather die and have your name live on shamefully, or would you rather die and have your name live on honorably?
2: There's
1: mm. um, another big idea in this book, and um, that's a, like kind of one of the key points to being a samurai, is to, uh, to do things, to act and live, mm. in such a way that it brings honor to one's name, not mm. any sort of personal uh, things that will go when the person dies because the name lives on so the focus should be on (laughs) the name um and so it's just a a a lot of it is just advice and guidance on how to live in that way that Mm. brings honor and does service and that the honor comes from that Mm. service so it's like a self-sacrificing service Mm.
0: and so the guy who wrote it saw this as especially useful at this time because of the like extended prosperity
1: yeah so he doesn't explicitly state this is for this time right he states this is how to be a samurai Mm. and it then is able to be applied because of the way he says be a samurai in this Mm. way Mm. the principles are able to be applied for peacetime and wartime all right so it's not an explicitly peacetime Mm. book Mm. so it's it's not doing it in spite of the peace yeah Yeah. it's a book that turns bushido into a way that no matter what is going on around you, mm. you can still live by this code. Mm. So if there is a war and you are called to go to war, you will li- you will serve and practice Bushido as mm. best you can in mm. that war. You will show your martial prowess. You will um, fight and maybe die for your lord mm. um, and distinguish oneself and bring honor and glory to one's name. Mm. If you're in peace, you can do that in other ways. Mm.
2: This um, is why like,
1: service. it feels as though it's got... A lot of parallels. I feel like this is
0: the most practical use of philosophy. Ooh. Like the, the books like this, like for instance, this to me is very comparable to like Ryan holiday's trilogy. Cause it's like, that is made in a way where like he had a whole other book talking, called the perennial seller, which is like a, basically the idea of like, if you create something, you want it to be perennial. You want it yeah. to last for generations. You want it to be useful for generations. Yeah. And I feel like that this book is that, and same with like ryan holiday's trilogy yeah. it's like a practical philosophy it's like embodying what philosophy is or like the general values yeah in a way that it can be applied at any time and it's like his guidelines yeah on like this is probably
1: the correct way to live yeah it's definitely it's a very very practical philosophy mm. um and very practical spirituality as well like it, mm. it is a spirituality. Um, and it treats the world as if it's a dream. Like... Right. The world... It, you don't need to be in the world. Yeah. Um, you're going to leave it one day. Yeah. So leave it in such a way that what you leave behind mm. is g- good. It brings honor yeah. to you and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Does it ever address the idea that,
0: like, in general, you your influence will fade with time regardless, but you should just try and have the most effective, um, large so you can possibly have that as positive
1: yeah so it doesn't really address the fact that eventually you'll be forgotten yeah um it's more just like focus on doing as much doing as what you can yeah mm. um it like being the best oneself can be that sort of thing uh, according to these strict th- these codes of honor mm. um and like it, it's almost it's like in a way it's also saying don't care don't worry about that like yes. don't worry about what is good like your name after death Mm. so it's kind of contradicting itself but not in a bad way Mm. um because it's also saying like it doesn't matter if you're perceived as um shameful if you aren't shameful Mm. like it it's not saying um adhere to what your society says is honorable and good it's saying just adhere to what is honorable and good Mm. um so it, it doesn't really care much about the fact that eventually the society's values and things of what is shameful will change mm. and you might be viewed differently um it's more just like live virtuously honorably ju- and well and that is what matters so mm. it's a very inward focused thing like mm. it it makes it so that your life is externally focused you're mm. focused on You of sacrificing the self basically in service and then in contradiction it's a very self-focused spirituality a very Mm. inward focused spirituality because it's sort of like how can you make yourself become
0: the most powerful force for good possible yeah
1: like it's it's i think this
0: is probably the like philosophies like this are often the most attractive to people who are already ambitious Mm. and then they want to make their ambition useful because otherwise it's like you can be super ambitious and you you can achieve heaps but it's like for what yeah like is it for your own monetary gain is there more to it than that yeah
1: like he um it kind of contradicts a lot of western values because in the west we because of christianity we have an idea like it's good to be humble it's good to Mm. be meek it's good to be um like to have no pride and Mm. to lack ambition um Mm. to be content that sort of thing um but this is different like it goes against those values of um humility like it it's Mm. it promotes humility of course um humility is seen as a good thing but on the other hand it also says the a samurai should try to be the best in the world yeah 100 percent. i think that's like undeniable like i don't
0: see i don't see that as problematic like what like what is that idea in new zealand we have this um tall poppy syndrome yeah like that i find it's so problematic like i don't run into it that often but it's just like it makes it's the only reason for it is other people's fear of others over over, over yeah. overpowering them or beco- or be, like becoming more than them. Yeah, and it's like it's just such a problematic um, idea, and it's I don't see how people can really justify it. Yeah, like if you there's there's no problem with ambition in and of itself it's just like what are you being ambitious about what is your end goal like if your end goal is maximum income yeah maybe that's somewhat problematic
1: so this book um it promotes ambition and pride and fame and glory Mm. like a samurai should definitely be striving for these things he says whether it's in war or in other pursuits Mm. like if your if your job as a samurai is to sort books out for your lord Mm. you're going to be the best book sorter ever yeah i think that's like and have your name nice way to live life um like
0: like i want to be the best hypertrophy person yeah and it's like that gives me a lot of meaning but also it's very effective yeah because now say i have a specific domain yeah that i can just try and master yeah and it's like without that specific domain or like oh man i don't know where would you sh- Shovel ambition to Like you ha- I feel like No matter what your craft Like even when I'm working When I was doing podiatry I was like If I'm gonna do podiatry If I'm gonna spend Be spending time here It's like It has to occur So I can do my masters Yeah It's like If I just go in, in there And I'm like Kind of half assing it It's like well Yeah what, Like if my goal truly is To improve healthcare And improve lifestyle diseases I should Do the best I can with that Rather than half assing it Yeah Like yeah. it's
1: that's what this book is kind of Mm. saying but it's not like it so it advocates for pride and ambition in that sense Mm. but then ultimately it's advocating for humility Mm. in that all that ambition all that fame all that glory Mm. that you acquire and that you pursue Mm. is done for anyone but yourself yeah like it's completely self-sacrificing yeah and that is why it's seen as a good thing for a samurai to kill himself the moment he does something shameful Mm. or the moment he brings shame upon himself Mm. um i
0: do think nowadays though that idea is somewhat flawed like the idea of seppuku um but like because it's it's like then you you you're limiting like it it seems as though it's coming from the idea of like okay you've done something shameful you should be punished for that or you should um People drawn from that yeah it's like then your positive influence yeah is now like you're no, no longer any use to your lord yeah there's no use. and that's
1: why a lot of the lords that he's talking about forbade their samurai to yeah. kill themselves it's when they logical. died yeah because they're like well you'll be more useful to me mm. if you're serving my son yeah exactly and yeah. serving the domain and this mm. book does talk about that a lot because mm. i you get the sense that his um him not being allowed to commit seppuku mm. was a big strain on him like it was a it was a big crisis for him yes um because he saw it as like the ultimate virtue to die with one's lord mm. um and so he kind of deals a lot with like that how do you continue to live in such a way where you can't commit seppuku and so it provides an answer where like if you commit some, if you do something a little bit shameful it's not necessarily the best to commit seppuku um mm. he's not advocating that everyone commits seppuku at a moment's notice whenever something slightly bad happens but the idea that a samurai would and should want to do that um Mm. is very present and that comes from this idea that like nothing you do should be for yourself Mm. so the moment you become no longer useful the moment you become shameful Mm. and bring shame upon your family and your domain is the moment that you should die because death isn't something to worry about death doesn't matter Mm. you're being of you're being useful by killing yourself is what they're saying yeah um which i don't know because that that idea in general seems yeah but like you can get what it's saying yeah i definitely get the message behind it like it's not an advocacy for immediately killing yourself upon doing something bad like the idea. idea behind it is that if if you're not useful anymore why live Mm. Like if you're if you're just bringing shame to your name yeah and, and you're your just domain, consuming resources and all that why I live yeah and yeah so, but it
0: is pretty extreme it is yeah and but, that's the
1: point like yeah it's it's a very intense very practical all-encompassing spiritual discipline mm. it's not a side hustle it's yeah, not a exactly. hobby exactly that's it's a complete lifestyle yeah, way of like living. the way I look
0: at stoicism is not like that it's a yeah. little bit more like relaxed. but these yeah. it's like with the the bushido code and samurai it's like they It's like, it it is, as you said, like, it's all-encompassing. Everything they do is, like, done through the lens of this. Yes. For me, it's more like I look at aspects of my life through stoicism. Yeah. And it's like, there's the life. is like its own brick in both cases. Yeah. But then in the samurai one, it's like the... The, the brick, the whole brick is looked over with this lens. Yeah. But then I, with Stoicism or other philosophies, I'll just look at it with like individual aspects. Yeah. Rather than let the philosophy completely encompass everything. Yeah. Which is an interesting contrast, but I I bet that the Bushido code, living that completely, would be much more fulfilling.
1: It would be. Because
0: then you have this high... But it's but like with like religion. Yeah. It's the like you've is, got that like, thing...
1: Most Samurai wouldn't have been living it fully. Yeah. And that's what he was... This is why he, like, wrote this. It's like a guide to show Samurai how to live the mm. Bushido code fully. Mm. Um, he would have completely understood that most wouldn't live it fully. Yeah. And he criticized that every now and then. he like, mm. talk about how Samurai f- focused more on, like, the, the city living and the pleasures of the city and mm. no longer actually focus on Bushido anymore. Mm. Um, but, like he he's promo- he provides this to be a completely life like uh, it just completely encompass all your life and mm. live it completely um and it, I get, it would provide such fulfillment um that you wouldn't have the problems of like feeling meaningless or purposeless mm. and the moment you would you'd commit seppuku <laughs> mm. um and mm. so like then the the question is what is that service oriented towards and that's where those four vows come into play to make one's you oneself useful to one's lord and family and that sort of thing um hmm. wait what were the four vows again uh i'll find them hmm. um let's see because i feel four like as though it's powers. um i will not allow myself to fall behind others in bushido um means to be resolved to make one's martial valor manifest in the world um which would mean if you're not at war to then manifest that in other ways. But basically to be your best, perfect yourself. Mm. Um, I will be of use to my lord, uh, be filial towards one's parents, um, and then make myself of use to other people. Mm. Um, and those four vows all, like, they're not really distinct and separate. If yeah, they kind of all if you're run loyal, the same thing. Yeah, if you're being the best you can be you're also being of use to your lord yes um and so it's it's orienting all of this glory seeking fame um ambition pride all of that towards the service and towards the living of these four vows um the only issue is nowadays in the 21st century we don't have daimyo that we are immediately in the service of yeah we don't have these there's no... Lords. There's
0: often, like, you might have a boss or something. Yeah, but that's but it's not, not really... As, um, a, they yeah. don't give
1: you guidance, and they don't um, have
0: yeah, the, a higher... The thing there.
1: with the Daimyo is that it's not like they were providing an income to the samurai. The Daimyo would provide everything for the samurai. Their right. income, their land, mm. their lives. Mm. Um, if a Daimyo said to a samurai, go commit sepulchre, the samurai would do it. Yeah. Um, like, oh. their whole life, they were grateful to their daimyo for and he mm. sooner talks about that in this book as well how um one should be completely grateful to one's lord for everything they have in life mm. um, whereas nowadays like your your boss your manager yeah. or whatever isn't people really aren't as like um responsive. Hyped about that yeah and they like your boss doesn't provide you with your whole life no um they provide you with an income and you can kind of switch that by going to another boss if you wanted Mm. you couldn't really do that with a daimyo like you couldn't just decide oh i'm going to unless you were like a completely landless samurai but even then um so it's different and we don't really have lords these days Mm. we have a queen in new zealand but again it doesn't really provide much like yeah it's not as though i'm standing
0: there like looking at the queen and sort of getting influence from her in in much yeah although did you see the Queen's um, COVID-19 uh, talk, chat, video on YouTube? No. It was very nice. This I'm was, sure it was. This was a, very off topic, but, like... Yeah. it's It was, like... I was looking at
1: that and being, like, wow, pride in my yeah. country. But it's, like, the, the Queen plays the part of, like, the Emperor or the or the Shogun would have in this time. Right, Someone yeah. who is still important and who still deserves your loyalty mm. um but who is kind of more far away the lord yeah, is somewhere immediate. Away, yeah. yeah
0: um i'm not going to text like, the queen and ask how i can be more virtuous
1: yeah but like it's like the like the samurai would would die for the emperor as yeah. well as the lord like if the emperor um if someone insulted the emperor it was kind of you'd kill them yeah um and Damn, kill god, yourself that's, that's
0: how to shut down conversation and critique because <laughs> that's, that's not very open-minded it's pretty well it's like that's, the definition it's, of it's an like echo chamber their
1: their whole religious outlook isn't so much that the emperor was a ruler or yeah. a politician it was that the emperor was a god oh my it god it was like the centerpiece of their whole yeah religion um so if you insult if you like if you insult the emperor you're not you're insulting, insulting a person you're insulting yeah. the whole was it a bloodline pantheon yeah yeah um but they this uh, Tomo as well and uh, other samurai uh, uh, the idea wasn't that you can't critique your lord or your emperor Mm. um he actually says one of the key elements of loyalty is to not be the samurai who is just constantly being a yes man Mm. constantly just saying oh yes yes do this and licking the boots Mm. because that is actually bad for the lord because it can turn them into someone who is very like uh obsessed with themselves and very confident yeah. overconfident and he in wants their to be ability able to critique. You like that's the most like, useful thing about yeah. someone um
0: working with you. If yeah. they're willing to openly critique you that's yeah. the most valuable thing. Ever. And so
1: he said that a good samurai would offer criticism for their lord mm. if their lord wasn't doing something good. Same mm. with like the family like one's parents and that sort of thing. That's mm. a, a show of loyalty is to offer criticism. Out of loyalty, not out of mm. spite or yeah, hatred. I, I think that's like, very, very true in real life still. Yeah. And re- and well, in today's yeah. society as well. Because like it would help the, the Lord friendships... to rule well. And then that's yeah. providing, being of use to the Lord and the domain. Mm. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's kind of crucial to a solid working
0: relationship. Is like, you should be able to give each other some sort of critiques. Yeah. But then, it, it, as you said, like it, it's definitely where it comes from. Yeah, Like, if you're critiquing someone in a way that's literally just to make them feel bad then you know yeah. that's one thing but if you're like hey
1: man maybe yeah. Stephen provides advice on how to criticize someone properly really? to make them not feel bad but actually help them to be better wow that's pretty cool um that's useful yeah as um but like the thing is how is this relevant nowadays we don't have the a, a lord that we're in the immediate service of mm. um and this book kind of provides the answers to that as well. He doesn't explicitly state it, but he doesn't just talk about serving one's lord. He's mm. making oneself useful to the whole domain. Mm. Um, we still have families. Mm. We still have um, a country, a people, community mm. that we can make ourselves of use to. Um, and it's also, it's not a secular um Doctrine—it's not a secular philosophy as well. He talks a lot about the gods and ancestors and spirits and that sort of thing, who um, we should also be acting in, in service to. Mm. Um, so, I, I guess piety would be a big part of that um, philosophy and of, of service. Mm. Um, so, we we might not have an immediate lord anymore, but we still have all these other um, people, groups, beings that we can be of service to in the absence of a lord that we can Mm. like kind of we don't have to live in a feudal society to live this this code to practice the art of the samurai
0: like i can think of multiple um businesses that i collaborate with or people that i collaborate with where Mm. i'm like i in general am doing stuff not specifically for you but it's like if there's a way that I can benefit these people or help them progress, and even yeah. if it doesn't help me at all, then I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Because these people have either helped me or I know what they're doing is generally virtuous and yeah. useful to um, the fitness industry
1: or something. Yeah. It's definitely um. Like you don't need yeah. a you don't need a a, a lord a, a, a individual mm. lord to um to be of service to. He was just talking about that because that was the reality of the times. Yeah. But nowadays it's still very relevant in that we can put all these principles into practice no yeah. matter the situation no matter how like what kind of society or social structure or state of the times we're living in and that's the whole mm. point of this book he was making it it's an inward thing mm. so it's something that can fit no matter where you are what you're doing um, when you're living what the what the state of your times are, are like
0: i feel like you could almost just take the general philosophy within the book and then it's pretty like if as long as you like mold the logistics of it you can pretty much apply it to uh, today's life pretty yeah. well
1: that's pretty well structured for that definitely yeah mm. like you wouldn't you obviously wouldn't be able to live to that That one of the vowels mm. of being of service to one's lord. Yeah. But the principles are still there. Yeah, you just be in service to whoever
0: you can serve.
1: Yeah. Um, So, like, for me, that's God's ancestors' Mm. community. Mm. That's it.
0: Yeah, for me, it's probably mentors, um, collaborators, mm. um, clients. Yeah. Yeah, 100% clients. That's
1: another... Like uh in east asian philosophy filial piety is a very big um thing like mm. loyalty to one's family parents ancestors mm. and teachers are included in that as well mm. like mentors and um yeah and it, masters and that's, that's, that's definitely different. a
0: relationship where i'm like this is i want this to be symbiotic yeah i don't want this to be a one-track thing where i'm just benefiting yeah because then it's like they need to get something out of it in yeah. some sense, or I want to at least benefit them because they they give me a lot of benefits. It's like that's yeah. not that's not really. It's fair. like
1: in in the in the fourth vow of the house. let me see if I can quickly flick to it. Um. There we go. In the fourth vow of the house, I'll make myself of use to other people, mm. means to work to build up other people so they will all become of use to their Lord. Yeah. So that's the mentor is doing that. Yeah. But then you are becoming of use to them by becoming of use to others. Mm. Um, because then you're helping them to fulfill that fourth vow. Mm. If and you, it's like if you even if you don't give them anything personally mm. if you simply take on their teachings and become useful mm. as a result of especially that, if they're also living the bush with okay. yeah you've helped them to fulfill that fourth hour, mm. that um, is true by simply just becoming more useful more knowledgeable yeah
0: even if it's just to
1: the world in general yeah not to them yeah that is true it's like it doesn't have to be them personally gaining anything and if they mm. were doing if they were teaching just to gain things personally from you, then they're not. It's problematic. Yeah. Then they're not fulfilling that vow. Mm. If they're teaching purely to be useful to mm. everyone else by making you useful, mm. um, then you're being useful then, to them by being useful to others. Mm. They get to expand their general. Um,
0: their impact on the world. Will expand exactly. By one yeah. one whole human. Yeah. Damn.
1: It's like. Um, I think it's quite a beautiful thing in Islam um, one uh, thing that is taught is that if you um, bring someone to Islam or if you build a mosque mm. um, in Islam it's a very very noble very virtuous thing because by building that mosque you're providing a place for many many others to learn Islam to come to Islam mm. um, and so you'll help you' you're basically making the world a better place by building this building because other people then become better as a result of it Mm. so you're not like personally doing all these things but by doing something which makes others then do these things Mm. and and so like if you maybe bring two people to islam those people then bring two people to islam and then those bring two each and so on it's just like eventually because of your single action of bringing two people to islam you've then brought thousands of people to islam as mm. as just a consequence of that and it's a similar thing here like if you make others useful you're then just making everyone else useful by extension and so you mm. have made that big impact mm. on the world and you get to be one of those positive nodes in the yeah. network and
0: in general have part of a positive influence on the world yeah. um would you say there's any parts of the book where you would disagree or think that's problematic <laughs> um
1: not like principally like a lot of it is um uh like sort of events like stories things that have happened and you can just like, mm. oh yeah well that's nice mm. um but it's not like- and then there's there's also a lot of it which is like advice um mm. uh guidance philosophy that sort of thing i wouldn't say there's any really that i principally agree with i uh, disagree with um Most of it I find pretty agreeable, Mm. and there wasn't really any points in this where I thought like, oh shit, that's actually very problematic. Mm. Like, obviously, there are, it's just, when I disagreed, it was just like, well this isn't really applicable to now, um, or this isn't really applicable to this context, or Mm. my context, or this doesn't fit with my religious beliefs, Mm. Um, that sort of thing. But, like, the general ideas, principles, and virtues and values that are promoted by this, I, like, completely agree with. Pretty I think this is an level. excellent book. Yeah, it does um, seem
0: pretty um, pretty damn good. Mm. I might have to give that a read.
1: And, I mean, like... Pretty clean. When we're talking about if we went to the bush and we had to bring books, I think this would be... That would be them. pretty f-
0: good, yeah. Yeah. That would totally be the move. Because then it's, it's pretty all-encompassing philosophy. But maybe yeah. it would be good to have that and then multiple philosophies that, like correlate with that or cover aspects that aren't in yeah. that yeah i feel like this is mainly work focused
1: it's life focused really yeah
0: because yeah. i guess hmm. but it's like outcome focused in some ways yeah like it's like
1: it would be most useful if you're living in a society yeah um but if, yeah it'd be hard still, for
0: us if we're living in the bush yeah
1: to but positively influence i guess we can influence each other yeah exactly like we just us, have guess. to devote all of that energy to each Other basically Mm. helping each other be like serving each other and being useful to the other person, yeah. Which I think would be very good in the survival situation, yeah. It would be, it would
0: provide a sense of meaning. Both,
1: if you're both completely disregarding your own self for Mm. the benefit of the other person and putting all your energy into Mm. that, then like you don't need to worry about yourself because the other person is looking after you anyway, yeah. Probably a
0: good way to structure this, and
1: then and then there's no like sort of self like you'd never sacrifice the other person mm. for your own benefit like because yeah, it's be, a mutual yeah exactly yeah
2: hmm.
1: and then if it could if it gets to the point where you both where one of you has to commit seppuku you both do and then you just <laughs> like no, no we're not doing that if we go into the
0: bush <laughs> we're not committing seppuku
1: it would be quite hard because we wouldn't
0: have the proper tools to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. We'll have to sharpen some sticks. Yeah. But Short even if we stick.
1: manage to find something to cut our bellies open... Yeah. Another need part something of the set could slice. slice the head off. Yeah, well, that would be...
0: No, we could, we could totally fashion something up, but um, probably not the best
1: idea. I don't know if I'd trust you to not botch it, honestly. No, I would do it. I'd do it, mate. But <laughs> if we were both going to do it, then we would need a third person. True. Who's going to chop my head off?
0: Yeah. Well,
2: yeah. We're going to make a machine.
1: Yeah, you no, know, it's... I think that's a really good philosophy and it applies to any situation and Mm. anything. Whether you're living as a monk, a hermit, Mm. or if you're living as a member of society. Mm. Um, Like, I see my purpose in life as having a place in society. I don't really see a future for myself or my fate as being a monk. Yeah. Um, Although it would be nice. It it would be nice in some cases. I, I don't pursue that, I guess, in some cases because partly because i don't think i have the strength to actually do that right because you would also was, you have to
0: give up so much yeah, to truly become like yeah that.
1: but also um i feel like it would be the same reason why tune tomo wasn't allowed to commit seppuku like i mm. don't think my place in life is to leave life is to mm. become a monk i think i my place is to be useful and ways that i contribute to be society, best as a yeah. member of society yeah yeah um like i mean society might not find the things i contribute very useful mm. um and my place very useful but like that the point is that in my context it is like yeah. my i see my purpose in in society overall is to be a priest mm. um in my tradition. Mm. And my writing is merely an extension of that. I've talked to you before about how I put a lot of um my like mythology, theology, religion into my writing. Mm. Um and that's just like part of my role as a um as a as a priest yeah. Um of my of my religion. I see that as my primary function in society is to Mm. be that
0: And if you were living like a monk it wouldn't really do that. Especially in today's society it's not be monks yeah really
1: you um you out
0: your external influence in the world would be very yeah. minimal
1: like a priest is supposed to be a member of society a priest is supposed to be part of the community and so i don't agree with the when like people people assume that a priest has to be detached from the rest of society like mm. a monk mm. it's not the function of a priest it's a useless priest if they're not in the community like a priest mm. has to be a communal figure mm. and although my religious community is very very little mm. um I still believe that my contribution is valuable and mm. has some merit even if that value doesn't really fully manifest until several generations down yeah because i don't i want to create like a priest bloodline as well like i'll mm. raise my children to become priests hell and, yeah and pr- and have that like mm. i i want to eventually have land that i can build a little temple on mm. and then wow. tend that temple and then have that role inherited by my children like i want to create Mm. a bloodline Mm. with this um with this function Mm. and so even though if i just have like two people who i perform rituals for now Mm. maybe in four generations my great grandchild will have several dozen Mm. so it's like a compounding effect and it is
0: the same um principle as the book it's like yeah just the external influence the external yeah. positive influence carried down on um, yeah
1: I'm, I'm serving my community even if mm. that community is quite small at the moment yeah it's kind of like it my mentors exists. they they are doing it from a
0: sense of like if I can positively influence you and then you can positively influence others it's just a yeah nice network of nodes I feel like it's um, people often underestimate how much positive influence you can have on the world yeah because they don't realise like you influence one person to do one thing in a different way is more useful and they
1: can influence two people Mm. and so on and so on pretty useful overall yeah Mm. and so that's like the thing like i try my best obviously i'm not a perfect but i try my best to live my life in such a way that i can i can be of service to the world and the community and Mm. the and my vocation in that is as a priest Mm. other people have different functions but mine is to play that priestly role Mm. um and so that's how i serve my community so i found this book very helpful to me personally because it helps mm. me to understand better and think better about how i might do that mm. um and so it's it just it's it's provided a sort of it's not the starting point for me this book it's just provided more in terms of that that philosophy it fits mm. very well with my existing philosophy and theology and mm. That sort of thing. I
0: feel like it, it, it's something that you could slot into
1: a lot of philosophies and it would work quite well. Yeah, definitely. Like it,
0: the ideas in it are relatively hard to refute apart from the supposed. Yeah.
1: And like no matter what your religion or irreligion, it, it can fit. Mm. Like if you're a Christian, this philosophy can fit. Like you can just turn that into service mm. towards God or to the church or mm. your local priest or mm. something like that. Um, or if, if you're not religious at all, you can just have make that into a service, service in towards the, the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just would lack that the part about gods and ancestors. Mm. Mm. Um, but it, you can still understand, no matter how atheist you are, you can still understand that your name will live on longer than you.
2: Yeah,
0: and like you can, you know, that your positive influence will still be there. Yeah, And you can still have that um, effect. I feel like that's the main. Um, that's probably the best takeaway from the book. I think, like yeah. that idea of external influence being like that is your job in this world yeah it's having external positive influence yeah.
1: like you're gonna die so make it make your life something that actually has value mm. not be like
0: but i think it is looking at it from a somewhat utilitarian perspective like it is definitely like what utility can this yeah. have
1: well most traditional philosophies are utilitarian in a way yeah not utilitarian in like the modern sense where the focus is on just output. like output yeah. production that sort of thing but utilitarian in the sense that like everything should have a purpose mm. and have a value and that nothing is or nothing should be useless mm. it's kind of like that book essentialism where it's basically it's like a self-help book but it's basically talking
0: about like is this aspect or this activity you do is this actually essential yeah is this even somewhat close to essential is this useful at all um yeah because it's very it's like. There would probably be a lot of things like if samurai had social media, they'd be like, they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't advocate very strongly for spending at least two hours a day scrolling social yeah. media. Like, it just doesn't have positive influence. Yeah. So it's like, it'd be very hard to justify it by the Bushido code. Yeah. Bushido.
1: Yeah. But another part of Bushido is, um, like, it, it's utilitarian, but it's not focusing on just constant production. Hmm. Like, it's not, uh, industrial philosophy mm. um it's it's about being useful and taking time uh, living in the present moment mm. that sort of thing mm. but yeah they wouldn't be saying like oh yeah go and watch tiktoks for five hours a day <laughs> but like unfortunately it, not it's, it, it's it's a very beautiful philosophy i think yeah um, i think it makes practical sense. All, it's like yes.
0: yeah i think it it um I would find I think the ideas aren't like too out there that they're hard to refute, but it also is necessary ideas and they're yeah. useful ideas, which is I think rare. Yeah, because otherwise, like if you compare this to like your traditional self-help books, yeah, they usually focused on one aspect of increasing productivity. Yeah, but it's like, and
1: usually they're focused on self-help, like yeah, the the production Improving and utility of material for you, possession. Yeah. yeah, and even when you're like, even when talking about um being of use to a society to your community it's always done from the perspective of benefit your community because it benefits you as a part of that community mm. or it's done as like an afterthought yeah. rather than like this is the foundation yeah whereas in the bushido code the idea is like if you if it comes to choose between the lord and you you have to choose the lord like mm. if you If your seppuku is necessary for the good of community, that's what you have to do. Mm. Whereas I'm sure like no self-help book is going to advocate for cutting one's belly open. No, not that I've read. (laughs) I mean, I haven't read them all,
0: but yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, I, I highly doubt it. Hmm. I feel like it gives a good, um, this is probably a good book to like a good guide on how to live when you have a mentor as well. Yeah. Because it's like, you can effectively think of them as your Lord in some ways. And then treat them like that. and Yeah. Yeah. Although I think there does need to be a modern spin on it because of the modern relationships of um, mentors and mentees. Like, it's a little less like, I am your
1: servant. Yeah.
0: Although it's kind of is similar to that in some ways.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, if I had like a spiritual mentor, mm. um, I would probably devote myself to them completely. Mm. Like, if they said do this, I'd do it
0: yeah like with my fitness mentors I I'm very 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 hard on their team like the way I think of it is like I'm on their team yeah and like we're we have a joint we have a common goal and we're both trying to achieve that goal hmm it's very fulfilling as well yeah because you know that they that's what they want and you know that they're doing it to make you better yeah and then you're doing it to somehow positively influence them but also so you can be a positive influence because you know that you need to grow and they help you grow yeah and then you can be the best you can be. Which yeah. is really a cool thing from the mentor's perspective. Like the fact that it's quite altruistic and they're doing it from the perspective yeah. of like, how can I grow you so you can have a better influence on in the world? Which yeah. is pretty sick. Not bad. Yeah. Damn. So. Should we wrap yeah. up then? Pop it off here. Getting yeah. a bit long. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Only an hour
1: Yeah, I, if anyone listening to this, I thoroughly recommend this book, The Art of the Samurai by Yamamoto Tsunetomo.
2: Hmm. it's i think we'll
1: fantastic and it's not very long either hmm. like it it's like most pre-industrial book it doesn't take long to read yeah um, probably
0: not like hundred thousand
1: words it's this book is like the actual book part is uh, 240 pages hmm. but heart like there's heaps of illustrations in this taking oh, yeah. up those um <laughs> like there's big get because it's like little little paragraphs it's mm. not like one big long text it's just like lots of little paragraphs like kind of like uh, meditations by mm. marcus aurelius mm. um but uh, even empty space takes up a lot of the pages as well yeah not That's very enough. good for the environment in this book but it's very good for the soul
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is true um and we'll put it in the show notes so people know where yes, they can find yeah. it we should try and get that exact copy and send it put a link or something because that
1: is a nice copy yeah i'll try and find like amazon yeah link or something that would be pretty sick It's pretty pristine yeah i'm gonna treasure this book forever and it's gonna be a part of my library that i Mm. pass down to my children Mm. your library is looking very nice i've been enjoying those
0: library posts oh thank you Um, Um, i have
1: a little bookshelf but it's starting to get a bit 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 full full? oh
0: you're gonna get a second
1: bookshelf what are you gonna do um i will when i move oh when i move out i'm probably moving out um, I'm hope, hoping to try and move out this year. Wow. Um, see how things go. Damn. Um Interesting. I'd have more space for a book, bigger bookshelf then. But mm. At the moment I don't have much space for another mm. shelf. But yeah, I'd I need a bigger bookshelf. Yeah, I've
0: been thinking about buying a second bookshelf. Because right now I have books stacked on top of
1: my bookshelf. Yeah. But when nice. I'm like old, like 80, I'm hopefully just like...
0: I want a library.
1: Yeah, I same. want a, a whole room. I, I, want, I want a library. A library. Study not just for me but a library i can pass down yeah um because like i said i want to create that priestly bloodline i want Mm. to pass on the tradition to my children Mm. and the classic works that work that that are useful now should still be useful then they should be perennial
0: yeah what i would love is that my dream like work setup would be like a room that's like a rectangle not that big on the like there's like the door on the on the entrance right Mm. and then there's like a a wall, a wall. Yeah. And then there's like a ma- massive bookshelf, and then a long white desk with an open window, just like this. Mm. You can't really see if you're listening, but it's like big white rectangular window, big w- white window, it's, yeah, a, w- a window, and then a big white <laughs> desk covered in Apple products. That is that is the pristine, that is the dream desk setup, man. I mean, it, this desk setup is not far off it. Yeah, it's pretty good. But like. Man, that would be nice. You have like an iPad over on the right, like yeah. magic keyboard, magic mouse, magic trackpad big-ass screen formatted correctly for your macbook. You could
1: fit a bookshelf like there on
0: that yeah. one. Yeah, I could but I mean Is now the time to get my king bookshelf? I don't know. I don't have that many. I I can struggle with the books I've got so yeah, far. Fair I don't want to get too many books Got some banging, some banging books Um but yeah, anyway, right. so where can people find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TalesFromArdon. Uh, I'm also on Medium at Jason C. Malone, and also TikTok with the same username, Jason C. Malone. And you can find my website, www.talesfromardon.com. Um, Ardon is spelled A-R-D-O-N-N. And you can find um, my short stories and stuff on that website and updates about my book if you subscribe to the email list mm,
0: i'm subscribed so yeah. it's pretty good isn't it james yeah it's pretty yeah. It's pretty riveting <laughs> um if you want to find me online you can go to james underscore on instagram um or you can search the hypertrophy hub on instagram um i also have a podcast called the hypertrophy hub podcast where we basically talk about muscle growth um that's about it primarily just muscle growth obesity sometimes diabetes um health issues sometimes but primarily just getting stupid jacked good stuff yeah so it's solid
1: stuff um that's about it yeah. so yeah. And you can also find us uh as to be frank on mm. instagram uh at podcast to be frank mm. and we also have an email address the same thing podcast frank at gmail.com where you can mm contact us for whatever reason yeah if you'd like to send us hate mail send it there yeah Um, we'll read it maybe cry a bit yeah it will be fine yeah we wouldn't (laughs) i wouldn't
0: wouldn't, if you have any critiques of the podcast anything you hate yeah we're happy to receive
1: feedback negative or positive
0: yeah um we need we need some people to critique us so we can continue to push it our way
1: we're also on iTunes now. If you if you didn't know that yet, um, we haven't been on iTunes for a yeah. few episodes, but we are on iTunes now. So if you want to the big leagues, yeah, if you want to listen to us on iTunes instead of Spotify or whatever, um, yeah, you can find us there.
0: There we go. At some point we might go on YouTube, but that's a lot of work, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, thanks for joining us for this long episode. I think our <laughs> longest one yet. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Cool.
0: Thanks, guys. See you later.
1: Bye.